are we waiting for? Receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And boy, do we ever need you. We need you all the time. And uh, that's by design. You designed that we would be that you would be needed, and uh, so we do do need you, Lord. And we thank you for your unchanging presence, your ever powerful presence in our lives, and, and your consistency and your faithfulness toward us. In Jesus' name, Amen. And praise God, Amen, Amen. Well, Happy Mother's Day uh, to mothers, all mothers, and. Then we got, we got, I always call us the uh, bootleg mothers, the, uh, the fake mothers and the fake, like the fake news. We just in it for the chocolate and the, and the cards and stuff. <laughs> but, but no, we, we honor all mothers. And, you know, when you have these secular holidays, it's hard to figure out how to fit them into church life. And so we, ha- we do our best because to honor your mother is commanded in the bible but you know really it is more of a family holiday but i always like to encourage people in these things especially when they're biblical uh, to go ahead and do them and and for years i was saying well lord i i don't like to do these things because we leave somebody out so then i said oh we'll just honor the mothers who are believing by faith one day that they will birth children and so forth and so on and so then i realized i said well it's just candy right now <laughs> but I said, let's do something for moms who really put in the effort to to raise quality children you know it's quite a responsibility amen and it is a labor of love amen so we thank god for the moms praise god and the mothering spirit that i believe is in all women unless you frustrated to death by you know doing something else with your life but we will always nurture somebody or something if it's the cat or the dog or the goldfish mothers always women always tend to allow that side of them to come forth and so and i believe god uses that nurturing spirit in intercession so we're going to talk today about the nurturing nature of intercession so that we'll understand amen uh <clears throat> god is the spirit and god has personhood or or we call it personality uh it's it's a type of personhood because uh we are created in his image uh he is a spirit being but he has personhood which means we can look at our attributes and understand that god has some of those and uh and that's how we relate to god but the important thing to know is that there is a male and female aspect of god's character otherwise he could not have made us in his image if he were only male only the men would be made in his image but men and women we know that because uh um god did the first dna transfer in the bible he took a rib from adam amen that's where dna is you know clues to all these mysteries are all over the word god left a amen he left a nice blueprint for us to follow if we want information but you know it takes people they have to go outside of god go to a test tube, find something out and then the christian will say well that's been in the bible forever you understand what i'm saying god could have he you could have known that so many years ago but anyhow god did the first uh, uh dna transfer and created another it, it wasn't really cloning we don't believe because it's done by inspiration of the holy spirit so it's not done outside of the spiritual force of life creative force of life behind it and so we know that there is male and female in god male and female personhood 
not male and female in the physical sense that we see men and women, but male and female in personhood. And your gifts and attributes are, are sexually oriented. Men are physically stronger for a good reason, and that is when the curse came, man had to live from the dust of the ground. That was his assignment to com- to uh, compel the earth to yield, but with heavy labor. So the man now has to be physically much stronger, perhaps, than was initially intended in the garden. In the garden, there was no heavy labor. There wasn't need for, you know, uh, uh a big musculature or something like that. And so uh, the curse added to some of those attributes. But as head of the wife and head of that family, Adam was always uh, uh, endowed with the ability to lead and the ability to draw from God inspiration, draw from God vision, direction, to command his family to follow after God. And so those attributes are inherited. They are handed down to every man uh, who's ever walked the earth. And then there are, are attributes that the women tend to have that are different. After the curse, the woman was given the title of Eve, and that is mother of all living. That's why women hate to see their kids bring stray dogs home. Because they know once the dog gets in and the kid picks up on that too. She going she gonna to fuss, but she going to let us keep him. See, because your heart is toward nurturing and caring for things. So they just oh, bring it on in here. But y'all going to have to learn how to feed it, and they never do. And mom is the one who always, we train the dogs. We <laughs> you know, train everybody, take care of everybody. And that is by God's design. Don't let it frustrate you. Uh, just just offer that up to God and allow God to use that for his glory, you know, to take care of, of people in your, your household. You'll notice in families, I say there's always an ain't somebody who keeps up with everybody. There, you always get a birthday card from them. It's like one person in the family sends everybody a birthday card Every time they remember people, that's part of nurturing, caring for them, letting you know you are cared about, that kind of thing. There's always somebody in the family that will get everybody together for the, uh, the Christmas disaster. I won't tell you my husband's, late husband's favorite story about his, his uncle who thought his Christmas tree was the bathroom. And he came over one time one Christmas and blessed his Christmas tree. So, I mean, there's one in every family. You understand? So, but, but you invite those people in anyhow. You know your house is going to be a wreck when they leave. You know they're going to take half the food in the house. And, you know, you have to give them some, give them some bride to get rid of them. Amen. And so these are nurturing activities. And so women are especially endowed with that. Now, men will like to have people over, but after they brag on the new furniture and, you know, do a grill a couple of burgers or some brag on the little food they grilled, you notice men don't really get over that stove and do nothing. Right. Because they don't want to make it no habit. They're, they're not good at tending things. They can all throw a steak on or they can all do a little this or a little that, but but cooking even is a nurturing type.
type job. Tending food, looking at tasting it, make sure it tastes good and make sure it's what everybody likes. You know, good mothers will make sure she gets something that everybody in the family likes. We remember things that people in the family like or dislike and we provide those. So those are all feminine attributes and those are attributes of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the feminine of God. You'll also notice that the Holy Spirit is reserved in his power. I mean, if you if you women are very very hospitable, usually very gentle, but threaten one of their young and see what happens. So that power and authority is reserved to be used for specific things. And that is to protect that which you nurture. You know, usually it's the, the first order of things. And to make sure. And also sometimes women can be aggressive in business because sometimes that's necessary to keep the family going. You'll see that in difficult times. Like during the, the most recent example, I can think, was the Second World War in this nation where this nation really had to pull together to um, make sure that the nation survived because it was touch and go in many, many situations. And women, because they, they didn't have their men at home, had to go out and work. You saw them work in factories. You saw them work long hours. Uh, you saw them undertake that and then have to relinquish it when the man came home. You know what I'm saying? And so that flexibility then has to be there because the woman was assigned to be the helper for the man. So they can fill in and work almost as hard and as long and as well as a man can in some situations, but then be willing to relinquish that back over to the man when he comes and takes his rightful place. That's the way it's supposed to go. And so we, we see this flexibility. We see this responsibility. We see this desire to aid and help and assist. And that's really the nature of intercession. That's really the nature of what the Holy Spirit brings to us in the aspect of intercession. Because the Holy Spirit is there to intervene and to make sure the plan of God goes forward in the earth. The Father being the Godhead, the principle of the Godhead, has the ability to conceive, plan, but not execute. The Son, being the Word, has the ability to verbalize and put into motion and explain what the plan is. And then the Holy Spirit's job is to execute the plan. Now, this is where women get fatigued sometimes. Well, I get tired of doing everybody's work, and I get tired of everybody giving me everything to do. We complain. But still, that sits there, and if it don't get done, you're going to eventually get up and move something or do something. You know what I'm saying? Because you know that, that you sense that responsibility to accomplish it, make sure it gets done and it gets carried out uh, to its, its final destination. The Holy Spirit doesn't like the job of planning and conceiving. He'd rather take orders from the Father and Son and execute them. And so that's the nature of intercession. If you're an intercessor, you don't think up these things to pray for. They come to you as pre-planned burdens, what we call burdens. And because they, they are carried by us, 
to their uh, appointed destination. So really we can say a prayer is a, a plan of God that is, has to be carried out into its final destination. And so God needs somebody who will be faithful to stand watch over it, somebody who will be faithful to do their part in making sure that, that their part gets accomplished so that the end result is the successful plan of God. And so intercessors are very success-oriented. If you're not a person who desires success and desires to be a part of something successful, uh, you won't won't be too faithful as an intercessor, but you can learn. You can be trained. You can train your spirit to learn how to carry burdens and how to uh, keep up with things so that you can have a successful conclusion to your intercession. Some of the, the things when you think about mothering or you think about nurturing, <clears throat> a nurturer must be attentive. They must be careful. They must be interested. And and that's one of the things that I think is is needed in the church. We have to find a way to get people interested in things outside of themselves. Interested in life. Interested in what's going on in the world. Interested in Christianity and, and uh, the the heritage we have as Christians. You know, sometimes it's good to to have to spend some time including church history in our sermons so that we will see what others who have been Christians have done in ages past and and identify with that and feel good about it and want to be a part of, you know, look at these these wonderful people that did great things for God. That's our inheritance too. And we can feel good about being a part of that and that inspires people and I think it keeps people interested in the job of intercession. Intercessors, I said, I think I said we're watchful. And that doesn't, watching is not suspicion. You know, and and seeing a devil here and a devil there and this is witchcraft and that's no good and all that kind of stuff. It's different from suspicion. Watchful means watching in in the way that God would watch. You know, paying attention to the things that God puts on your heart to pay attention to and allowing God to decide what it is that you see. You, you, don't, you don't know what to look for. So we have to under, excuse me, understand from God what it is that's important about what we see. Uh, as intercessors, have you ever had the feeling something comes to your mind and it gets your attention and you can't figure out why you've been paying attention to that? Uh, so that's part of it. See, God causes us to be watchful by his eye. And I think sometimes we'll just go for a season not having an explanation of why we're interested in that. And I think God does it so he can keep our attention. This is how he trains us to be watchful for him. And so as you these things grab your attention and grab your attention, then somewhere down the line, God will, re, will fill it in for you and say, that's why I paid attention. I couldn't figure it out for anything. And that's why. See, this is part of your training. <coughs> Excuse me. To be a watchful person and to be an engaged person. I know people use that word to, to death, but, <laughs> you know, but you have to be interested in these things. If you're not interested, tell God you're not interested. 
and and not let that be the final but let it be a prayer god i'm not interested in this i i don't understand why not or is this what i'm supposed to do or blah this blah that and you'll find that god will have you start to develop in your interest so interest can start out like for instance you'll start out in your prayer life praying for guess what you and god doesn't mind he knows you're important to you and this is how he proves his love to us by taking care of us because most people are so afraid that if they let go of some things or make some changes that they will not be taken care of so the first thing god has to reassure you of is that he will meet your needs so that's why everybody gets them philippian scriptures and know them by heart you know your uh proverbs 3 you know uh and, and in there uh no good thing will he withhold from there we all know that god will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory we we why do you learn those first and don't tell me if you ain't learned them you will if you're praying but then the first ones you grab why because you want to make sure you get taken care of and god knows that and guess what it's okay it's okay to be concerned about you until you start growing in your experience with god and you find man he taking care of this and then before he called before i call he'll answer Ooh, lord have mercy don't show me that scripture i didn't, didn't even know that was in there you mean he's, he's on the ready for my stuff all the time then it'll dawn on you and you say well wow if i'm so well taken care of what do i do with all my free time and that's where he wants you to be he gives you stuff to do for him amen so it is a process don't condemn yourself because you're concerned about you and then there'll be times when you walk fine with god doing things that he tells you to do and then the focus has to come back on you again because the devil's stirring up some trouble somewhere so you got to come in and focus but you'll find that when those attacks come you have a greater assurance about a good outcome for you because you have that experience you know you've got a bank of faith on the inside of you the best way to keep your faith bank full is to continue to pray and intercede for others you understand what i'm saying then it'll be an automatic you know you know it used to be when something was wrong in our lives we oh hold it wait a minute stop the train you know you're pulling all kind of emergency cords and let me off something's wrong in in you know wellsville or whatever you live and so you stop pulling that emergency cord so much and you start walking in faith and assurance that god's got it he's taking care of it it all is well this is all part of your training as an intercessor this is part of your training learn how to operate in a spiritual life don't live natural all the time know what i mean natural you know it's you got a good job you know we'll pray and make sure we got a good job once we're confident in that we start living more out of our abilities than we do out of faith in god so you start letting your faith bank run dry and then you're living out of your natural means and abilities got me we can all do that because christian people 
are really gifted and phenomenal people. You put us beside, the Bible says we're worth ten times as much as a, a normal hired servant. Why? Because the Spirit of God will give you answers. He'll give you creative ideas. He'll do everything. So we know how to do and pull from that realm and from that gift realm. So it's easy to leave the place of living by faith and be living in the natural almost without knowing it. Because you slip over into that one because you do have these abilities that you can, can uh, uh, marshal and, and use anytime you want to. And so uh, just be careful not to lean into those. And, and God oftentimes will design situations in your life so that you don't get so far away from him and let your faith bank run dry or almost dry. He'll, he'll help you to understand how to draw from the supernatural and keep that going and and live in that realm more than you live in the pure natural realm you got me many times people in in when they get challenged that's how you know uh, if you trust god or not when a challenge comes what's the first thing you do do you go to the word or do you have a bank of scripture on the inside of you you pull from or do you run off to some expert you know, and typical is if your kid gets sick, do you run the doctor first or do you go to Dr. Jesus and find out if God, is that something, God, you want me to handle right here? Amen. Nervous parents have to go to the doctor and we understand that. But go to God first so that when you go to the doctor, everything's taken care of when you get in there. You understand me? And then pretty soon you'll realize I shouldn't be taking this kid this time. We can handle this. God can handle this. Amen. And you start growing in your faith. So it's easy to keep your faith bank embanked. You know, keep keep uh, capital in your faith bank. Because if you go to God and you use the word, the faith is always there. If you go to the Bible, you know, the Bible will tell you your house is blessed. There's no curse. There's no sickness. There's no nothing. It will not stay and won't find a dwelling place in the midst of, of the blood bought. And so once you understand that, then you know that you can face anything in light of God's word. If you get in a situation that's a little tough for you, especially a, a health situation, the Bible says you can call for the elders of the church and, and get prayer. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 uh, and make it that way. So God always has an open door for us to get help from him and he wants to help us and his help is the best and so many times we'll find ourselves getting into situations that are challenging but god only wants us to draw from our faith just keep yourself invested in faith to get the job done there are many things in your life that when you're called of god to do that you can't do in the natural only faith will will do it for you you know, you, you can try if you want to, to get that natural thing kicking, but God won't let you do it. You got me? I know many, many years ago when I found out I was called to the ministry, uh, I vowed to God that I would not work a secular job. And every now and then I get, get pressed for money or feel like, well, you know, I should do this, and it never worked out never worked i won't work out now i remember thinking when after my husband died i was gonna i said oh let me see if i can just get a little something going where i can have income it flopped 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 and flopped again why why would i after all these years trusting god now quit trusting him 
See, all those years of faith, there's so much at stake. Like, what is my faith carrying? What's right? What's riding on my faith? My health, my life, my finances, this ministry, your lives, whether I can serve you or not and help you, wherever God would send me. There's so much riding on it at this point. God's not going to let me cash it in even a little. God, you mean I can't have an extra $500 a month for such and such and such? Just keep living by faith, Kizzy. You know what I'm saying? Let's just live by faith, girl. And so, you know, every now and then I would forget that and get in a panic and think, oh, I got to do something here. It never worked out. And so when you talk about switching from the supernatural to the natural, you can, you can put at risk many, many things that you don't think about when you're just thinking about you. You see what I'm saying? And I had to go back to God. I said, God, I'm sorry. I remember we dealt with this years ago, and you have always taken care of me, and you always will. And so you have to leave that, your faith bank. you got to leave stuff in your faith bank. You can't get it depleted. And then think you're going to just all of a sudden start moving mountains and working miracles with your faith. You've got to stay up on that and stay current in that. And I think intercession greatly helps keep stuff banked up in your faith bank. Because as an intercessor, you're going to be called to help situations that you don't face personally. But you can confront them as if they were personal to you. And get the strength for your day of trouble banked up inside of you. So you don't have to, it won't come on you unawares and unprepared. So, amen. So there are many, many benefits to intercession. Many benefits. And don't think you're working for nothing. Uh, don't take the, the you know, the uh, uh, martyred uh, female role. I do so much for everybody and I can't get nothing done for myself. Well, if you work for God, that's never true. Amen. <laughs> it's never true. We are so rich in the right things when you pray and when you intercede. To intercede really means to stand in the gap. You are a mediator in a natural in the on a natural level. You're a mediator between God and somebody who's confronting a situation that is bigger than them. Intercessors always deal with situations that are bigger than what humans can handle. That's why we go to God. And so as we understand what we're doing, then we understand why it's so important to be consistent with it. It's very, very important. An intercessor stands in the gap. There are gaps. There are gaps of spiritual condition. Say a person who is a sinner, doesn't have a covenant with a holy God. So you bridge the gap of holiness. Amen? Sometimes there's a gap of knowledge. You, It'll shock you. There are people that go to church every week, some twice a week, don't know the scriptures. Because they just show up and they're not taught. And, and sometimes their church doesn't teach them scripture. They just keep them coming. You understand what I'm saying? And so 
if it's a gap in knowledge, sometimes you'll be an intercessor for that person. You'll be able to tell them. They'll say, well, uh, you know, I, I really, my kid is having trouble in school. Well, the word of God says, you understand what I'm saying? And it may be news to them because they've never read that in the Bible, no, wouldn't know where to find it in the Bible. And so if you're trained in the response of God, then you bridge that knowledge gap. And God provides for the, the, their lack of knowledge through us because he says if you come into agreement with that person, then he'll do it. So they get their answer just by writing in on what you know. And this is very common for intercessors. It's not your knowledge, but it's the knowledge of the Son of God who lives in you. And you, amen, you make that avail as a nurturer, you make that available to others. Just like a, a, a woman would breastfeed a child. You have El Shaddai living in you. And he is able to nurture and feed many, not just his own, but many, if we will bridge that gap and intercede for other people. So then we have the nourishment, nurturing that comes with our knowledge of God to bridge the gap for somebody who lacks knowledge of God. And this is one of the the major ways the body of Christ grows is through this uh, uh, intercession of knowledge. Bridging that ignorance gap and bringing knowledge to everybody. I've been listening to some old Brother Hagen tapes that I haven't heard in I don't know when. Remember all them little bitty books we always read of his over and over and over again? All of his sermons, they made those little teeny books. And so I decided, I said, let me go back and get the first principles laid down again on the inside of me. Amen? So that that knowledge would be there and see... I know that lack of knowledge robs us of many things. And so, uh, and so he, being a teacher of the word, becomes an intercessor to me because it bridges the gap of my lack of knowledge in certain areas and I can build that up. And so that's the way it was. We intercede for one another all of the time in the body of Christ. And it is a nurturing thing because we are, are infilled with the Holy Spirit all believers, male and female, have that nurturing aspect of them inside. It comes across differently in different people, uh, but it's still there. Amen. It's still there, and it's very, very important that we understand that. So, number one, uh, uh, nurturing nature of intercession. We said the, the word nurture, I forgot to define it for us, means to care for and encourage the growth and development Amen. of something or someone. So we care for and encourage growth and development. Many times we have conversations of intercession with people. Intercession means to uh, to bridge that gap, whether you do it through prayer at the throne of God, whether you do it through words, counsel, whether you do it through uh, just speaking to people. You ever have a conversation with somebody and you just start chatting about nothing nobody mentions a problem or says anything and their words start to hit you on the inside 
and you'll say to that person later on, you know, when you told me so and so and such and such, I really needed to hear that that day. You know, we all do that. Amen. That's the Holy Spirit living in you wanting to help people. He said, you open your mouth and move out of the way. He said, I fill it with words. Didn't he say that? And so if you open it, he fills it. Don't you try to get your little empty head involved in there and try to be all deep and have answers for everybody. And don't. He'll fill it with words. Amen. He fills it better if you got the word in you. Just an aside. Right? So you got to have some word in there so that he can fill it. But many times God will, will give you things that are encouraging things to say. People who are limited in their biblical knowledge, so to speak. God will have you say encouraging things because he just really, really wants to use us to intercede and help for people. Uh, it, to nurture means to tend, T-E-N-D. That means you, you give attention to something. It means to rear. That means to train up someone, to raise, to support, and to foster. To nurture really means to help succeed. To provide food, protection, and shelter. Humans, plants, and animals, all life thrives if it is nurtured. Ephesians 6, 4. This is a good scripture. The Ephesians book, I always look at it as the um, necessary relationship training for people who want to use right authority, want to use godly authority. Because if you look at the book of Ephesians, it talks about the relationship from everything from family members, parents, children, husband, wife, your community, employers, employees. It looks at all aspects of relationship so that it shows us how to relate to people. And then in in the last chapter of the book of Ephesians, it talks about spiritual authority. So how you relate to different individuals in your life has a lot to do or it lays the groundwork and foundation for proper spiritual authority in your life. It's so very important to understand that you can't take authority uh, effectively if you're not lined up properly with all, all relationships in your life. It's very important. You can't be a... a um, uh, you know, not an effective parent or not an effective church member or employee and think God's going to let you use his authority uh, very consistently in in the things of the spirit. He wants to see you be faithful in natural things before he will trust you with spiritual things. And so here in Ephesians, in, uh, uh, what do we say, 6 in, in verse 4, it talks about, 
And we'll start with one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Look at all the the young people who are murdered, young people in gangs, young people who don't live long. um, Because when it says, says, honor your father and mother, I think it just means obeying them you know that's the first thing you learn how to do not talk back not try to wiggle out of everything they tell you to do you see people who aren't successful there's usually a glitch somewhere in that relationship to parents you know they uh, you know it's all kinds of you know the kids the kid that would hide all the time when there was work to do Um, they their their income when they get to be adults you'll see they have a very limited income uh, very limited uh, time on jobs and so forth and so on because they never learned how to stay under authority and be trained let their minds be trained to obey the voice of authority and the voice of wisdom so you can follow these things you look at people who wind up in prisons usually they're rebellious they don't honor parents the parents tell them to do something they talk back all that that's dishonor and so these things are very very important you can honor your parents even if you don't think they're right you can honor them if you know they're wrong who isn't wrong at some point in life amen and so it's it's very very important it says also fathers don't frustrate or make your children angry parents know when the things they do upset their children and god tells them not to do that amen you can't they'll they'll grow up discouraged they'll grow up feeling unloved they feel cut off from humanity because parents are used to validate their children children should go to bed understanding that they are loved cared for important all of those things and the parent it's the parent's job to let it's not the school's job to tell them that it's not the school's job to do all these things that is the parent's job don't it say fathers amen so fathers because of their authority in the family have to be careful how they use it how often they use it and with what force they use it that's why mothers get exasperated with that well why don't you tell them something to them and the dad won't say anything no you go tell them but then when the hammer needs to come down amen dad will step right up there because he knows when it's hammer time amen the woman doesn't know when it's hammer time but they know when it's hammer time you got me amen amen and so in and you need to show your children patience and long suffering so that they they will know that 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 god is that way you see what i'm saying you're you're being godly before them he said instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the lord or the nurture and admonition of the lord they must feel secure and they must trust you as parents but you have to admonish them too and let them know that there is discipline there and structure and values and morals that they have to live by okay so that's fathers and the children and how to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the lord so the nurture of the lord really means to allow your child to see through you that god is good 
Amen. And God loves them. And God has great plans for them. They can do great things with their lives. And that is not an exaggeration. That is true. Amen. So God has great plans for all of us if we will stick with the Lord's plan. So when we use the word nurture, it really means to encourage growth, encourage success, provide necessary things for growth. Nurturing is not necessarily coddling or spoiling. Amen. So you can nurture your children without coddling them or spoiling them. Amen. Uh, many times you can see some kids want to come back, you know, after they've been fed, they want to come back for seconds. You know, and I'm not talking about just food, but I'm talking about attention. If you keep giving them seconds, you start spoiling them and coddling them. Amen. So they need to know. And let me tell you, I, I tell you why I say that is because at some point you, your children need to be reassured by, from you that they're okay. Once they're reassured, then they should be able to carry that with them and reassure themselves at some point. Amen. Other than that, they're always looking to another human. They're insecure. They're always looking for another human to help them decide things and get whiny and dependent on somebody for attention. You know, as a parent, you have to admonish them in that and not encourage that behavior. But there is a balance there. And you'll know because you know your own child. And so that's you have to observe them and understand when you're going beyond, when you coddle, you cripple. Men, you coddle them too long, you cripple them too long. It says coddling or spoiling, nurturing is not necessarily coddling or spoiling, but the idea conveys comfort in promoting growth. So you want to see them grow. You don't want to see them, you know, when uh, with the binky and the blanket going off to college. You you can't do that to them, amen. <laughs> so you know the the roommate won't understand when they get to college, okay? So the nurtured child is content and secure. Content and secure. They're not insecure and always whining and want mom and daddy to show them attention and want to do this and do that for them. And <clears throat> the other thing that that you don't want is to encourage your child as a manipulator and a witch or a warlock. You got me? So they'll start to demand extra to be able to control situations. Amen. So you have to you have to put a, a stop to that in wisdom. Put a put a curb it and put a stop on it. Failure to thrive is a syndrome of lost weight and inability to seek, succeed in growth that is seen in humans and plants and animals and that's because there's been a lack of attention to the important things like feeding and changing and all of those things that you do to make your your children your infants feel secure when we are given an assignment by god to pray we are equipped to see that assignment through to its successful completion and just like you as a parent, you are have all the equipment you need to see your children grown to a successful completion. And you keep working with them until they get to that point. I don't care when that point is. <laughs> if you got to go visit them in the wheelchair races at the nursing home, you keep working at it. You understand? It's 
Tommy ain't grown yet, so let's keep working at it. You got me? (laughs) The intercessor must first, number one, care. We said that. Your level of interest in the successful outcome must be attendant. Amen? Your level of interest in the successful outcome must be there. God says, I care for you. Amen. So cast your cares upon the Lord. He cares for you. And he frees you up to be able to care for the things pertaining to this life. You notice you don't intercede for people who are in heaven, who already got their reward. If they pass away, that stops your intercession. So we are concerned with the things of this life so that success can come in those things. God must hear from earth in order to resolve problems down here on earth. Intercession must be made from earth to help the earth. Just because of the seed principle. A seed must come to God's ear from earth. That's why he will wake people up in the middle of the night to pray for things. That's why, because he must hear from earth to bring something back to earth. The Bible says, let it be down here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the Bible says God knows what we have need of before we pray. So he needs our faith and he needs our words from earth to be able to intercede and help a situation down here on earth. It's just a law. It's a spiritual law. When Jesus would, when people would come to him and they were uh, had obvious things wrong with them, he said, what can I do for you? Why? He needs that faith. That faith must come out of them as an expression of a request or something like that so he can use that to bring the answer back down here on earth. That's why he needs intercessors. We are earthlings who are tied into heaven in a great way. So we are resident down here on earth, but our spirit lives in heaven. Our spirit draws from heaven. Our spirit has the knowledge of heaven. So we bring heaven down here on earth because we have heaven inside of us and we live down here on earth. And so God has this interchange between both places where he can freely help people on the earth by using the faith and the faithfulness of his people down here on earth who will stand in the gap and intercede for needs. So even though God knows what we have need of, you still got to ask him. You still have to. Why? He needs your faith to get things in motion. If you're a faithful intercessor, you keep your faith engaged in that thing that you first started praying for. Don't withdraw your faith from it because you get squirrely or you lose interest or you're looking for a reason to quit or you think there's something more interesting to do. I just think that's so funny because we all had other interesting things to do that bummed us out and that's why we got saved then all of a sudden once you get saved and start working for god everything out there in the world gets interesting again huh (laughs) it's true so you got to fight that you've got to fight to hold on to your position as an intercessor in god just like you would fight to hold on to your children 
know, somebody comes up and, you know, your kid gets to be 13, 14 on the Internet. You better find out what they're on there for. Just unplug the stupid thing. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you don't let the devil steal. You put all this time and effort and, you know, you didn't got braces and took them to this class and that class and they never did finish nothing they started. You hung in with them anyway and got them this far and all of a sudden the devil's going to send somebody else into their life that's real important. I don't think so. So you hold on to those things and you hold on to your your role as an intercessor for God the same way. You have to wage warfare to keep praying. You just can't um, just pray and get up and go pray. I don't think so. You have to you have to fight to maintain everything, and and many times we'll look at intercession as when we say you have a burden to pray, we don't mean that it's hard for you or it's impossible or it's an inconvenience. A burden really means that there's a situation that's come to your attention that's pre-made. You didn't think it up, so it's a package that comes to you that needs your attention that's all that is it doesn't mean burdening that it's so hard and so heavy and too much and i don't have time for this i got all this stuff to do don't get stupid amen just you know just be normal with this This is a normal thing for people many times people will start to you know celebrate and applaud people for certain things uh, you know, people who have a good prayer life or, you know, renowned for their prayer and all this kind of stuff. You know, sometimes you, you get this uh, great picture of somebody wonderful. Well, that's you. If they pray, you pray. Y'all doing the same thing, right? Huh? Right? So don't get this glamour thing involved in it where you feel well i could never measure up to so you know the devil does that to us sometimes i'm reading about praying hide a man who prayed in india uh and and was able to make advances in soul winning in india well he had all the help in god that he needed just like you do and i do it doesn't matter, you know, people talk about how many hours he would pray and, you know, all this kind of stuff as though that makes a difference. If you can get yours done in 10 minutes where it took him four hours, then God bless you. And let's just keep it moving. Okay, amen. So we're all, amen. <clears throat> we're all coming to the successful completion of our job. And that's what God looks at. Were you successful in doing what he called you to do? Amen. So when we're given our prayer assignment, we must allow this caring attitude and responsibility to affect us. Most people don't want more responsibility. We want less. I'm going to say it again. Most people don't want more responsibility. They want less. But what did Jesus say about his work? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. All we have to do is say yes to the easy end of the the lifting. He does the the heavy end. Amen. We just have to put in the time. He he supplies the anointing, all of the equipment, everything that you need is supplied by God. All you have to do is just put in the time. Set aside the time to get the job done like anything else you want. 
Many times we're given extra time to things that we would have an easier time with if we gave God the time first. You give him the first fruits of everything in your life and see if your life won't go easier. But what we try to do is do everything we want to do first and then leftovers we give to God. Well, he ain't a leftover God. He's God. I mean, he he's not interested in your leftovers. Now, he might help you out a little bit if you're young and don't know. But after you've been saved 85 years, now you ought to know better than to be trying to get over on God with that kind of stuff. But if you will give him the first. When your prayer partner calls, don't get in the habit of putting them off. Because that starts to get good to your flesh. Your flesh will start thinking you run things. And people aren't stupid. They get the they get the hint. They know when they're being put off and you're trying to be powerful. Intercession is agreement. It's not a power struggle. Man, it's not this it ain't time for the power play now. Amen. It's time for the agreement. And in in patience and ease and, and grace, you have the grace to go ahead and graciously accept your responsibility to to respond to that person. Hmm? People getting the power struggles about this will never be effective because their focus is wrong. You know, when my prayer partners call me, I said, wait a minute, I've got to put, put the dog out. I said, why the dog always want to go out when you call? Devil, leave my dog alone. And I said, oh, hang on, I'm getting her out of here, getting her back, and get her hang right on that phone until I get that out of the way. Now, why don't I hang up the phone and say, I'll call you back? Well, right, absolutely. Somebody else will call in the meantime, give you something else to do. And a little bit in me still wants to play power. You don't call me, I call you. I mean, you know, that little devil inside us wants to have the ups, ups, ups. So I I don't give him a chance to manifest. I said, just hang on a second. I'm going to put the phone down for a minute. I'm going to go put the dog out or empty my bladder, you know, which is that's a whole different story. Uh, you know, whatever I need to do, I try to keep that open. So the enemy doesn't get in there and start messing with their head. See, and then they don't want to call me again. You got me? So you have to protect these things, folks. You just don't do them. And, you know, and then if, if it has to come to my attention or Pastor Shirley's attention that you're not praying with your prayer partner, well, they don't call me or they don't, you know, it's always they don't cater to me is what we get from people. And I said, well, they ain't supposed to call you. Call them. You know, that ends the conversation real quick. huh? Because I know people aren't really trying to keep the appointment. See, if that was some man you was interested in. I ain't going there today. It's Mother's Day. so You know how to pursue what you want. We all know how to do that. Don't act like that's new to you. You're in pursuit of the good things of God. And after you get in the habit of doing it, you'll look forward to it. You'll relish it. It gets easier for you if you start overcoming these bumps in the road. You understand what I'm saying? Just quit letting the bumps deter you from doing what, what God commands you to do.
So we have to be, the first one we said, you have to care. You really have to care. And when I say care, I mean care, period. Not care for a little bit and quit caring. Now the enemy will try and talk you out of caring. No, say, you know, have people say mean things to you or, or uh, you know, they'll, they'll be slow in catching on, so to speak, is what we say. Or, you know, act nonchalant or get angry at you because they know you pray and all that. And you have to get mature and understand that has nothing to do with me keeping my assignment to carry this out to the successful completion because that's what nurturers do. We carry it to the successful completion of it. So also you have to commit to obey. You've got to be willing to do whatever God assigns you to do. He, he can't use a servant is not somebody who picks what they do. Well, I'm going to pray for all the so-and-so and such and such. No, you're going to learn how to pray all over that manual. You're going to have to figure out your whole Bible. Amen. It's good for you. Jesus said to pray without ceasing. Amen. We have to commit to obey him. In John fourteen, fifteen, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Amen. You will obey me. You'll do what I tell you to do if you love me. We have to love in word and in deed. It's easy to say I'm going to pray until you, your list gets long. Or until trouble comes and you find you have to pray more than your assigned number of times in a week. Mm-hmm. He says we must pray and not quit. Because God doesn't quit. And he don't raise quitters. His kids don't quit either. We have that don't quit on the inside of us if we'll quit, if we'll stop pushing it aside. See, there are spiritual forces that are resonant in us that God calls up to help us during these times. If we quit thinking everything's so hard and we doing so much and everybody else ain't doing none, just me. Huh? Like Paul, you know, Paul did do a lot. But he was doing what he was commissioned and assigned to do. It wasn't, you don't compare yourself to other people you do what god assigns you to do amen you don't shortchange and you don't compare and so paul got tired of getting beat up everywhere he went and he was you know getting scared and god told him he said you know i got a lot of people here paul Hmm? don't be afraid i got much people in the city now he could have said don't be afraid. I'll send angels to help you. Why did he talk about people? And when God helps you, he nips everything in the bud. He whacks it off. He said, yeah, Paul, you're getting a big edge. You think you're the only one out here suffering for me. I got a lot of people down there going through just like you. Put the boy in check, didn't he? He'll cut you to the quick. He takes care of what God will take care of what really ails you if you let him. Amen. So, he says we must pray and not quit. Quitting your prayer is like leaving a helpless infant unattended. It's not nurturing. Don't neglect a prayer assignment that has been given to you because God is counting on you to complete it. 
And don't ever always say to yourself, well, somebody else can do it. I ain't the only one, God. Don't bank on it. And what does that say for you? See, many times we're struggling with certain things and we don't relate them to our obedience level in God. Not that we're here in works, but these are a sign. What God gives you to do is a sign to you from the foundation of the earth. Before you even got here, he already saw you doing these things successfully. And he's got all the equipment and everything you need to complete the job. So you're not really contributing much except your time and your cooperation. So that prayer will not live if it's not cared for. Just like your baby won't live if you don't feed it. If you don't pick him up and let him know he'll be fretful and insecure. Many times babies cry a lot because they're insecure. They need reassurance. That's why when you pick them up and you walk them around and you do the thing that you do to get them calm. Everybody knows what to do to get that baby to shut up. Yep. If it's the binky, you know, with sugar on it or the binky, <laughs> binky dipped in honey or, you know, that not that binky, the other one. You put the wrong one in his mouth, they spit it out. You know, you know what to do. And so you get in there and do you do what you do. And the prayer will not live if it's not cared for. Don't always be so flipped to think somebody else will do it. Or it doesn't matter if you pray or not. Somebody else may do it, but what does that say about you? Your situation. See, it's interesting about God. He never lets us know, well, if you pray, I'll do so and so for you. We never know what prayer that we have or what need we have that that intercession is going to help. He'll never tell you. So it's just good to do it by faith. And don't be counting and and keeping score with God. Amen. He'll take care of you. But you've got to take care of his business too. The reason you're saved and still here is so that you can work for God. Most Christians aren't even aware of that. They think they just have to come to church and give a little bit. And they're cool with God. They know nothing about the work of the ministry. Number three, make the sacrifice. You must, there must, the life in Christ is a sacrificial life, period. Don't let sacrifice be a dirty word. It's not something that's said to threaten you or make you feel stupid or feel bad or get scared. You have the grace to make the sacrifice to pray. You do. Nurturing requires putting your needs off to care for your prayer you gotta put yourself second sometime and it's not a bad thing i i pray three times a week with a prayer partner so i have to stop what i'm doing to pray because god doesn't overbook you you're not overbooked when you gotta pray you're not overbooked when you have to go on a trip you're not overbooked ever God is faithful to show up each time I pray. The anointing's always there. Why would I want to disappoint the Holy Spirit? If he's there waiting for me, why do I keep putting it off? God is faithful to show up each time. He expects the same from me or the prayer won't get done. He's the one doing the heavy lifting. He's the one guiding the prayer. He's the one providing the power. He's providing the words. He's providing everything. Amen? So he makes the provision and he is faithful. Number four, nurturing requires preparation. 
As a mother gathers supplies for the baby's care, so the intercessor must be prepared to pray. Number one, you stay prepared by living right. You live in obedience to God's commandments every single day. You can't live like hell and pray like heaven. Amen? It has to be consistent. So holy living is a requirement. It's preparation. Regular church attendance. Being on time. And, and grow up and quit wanting attention for coming in late all the time. Got me? Just grow up. Amen? Don't be a kid forever. Number three, study the word and be a worshiper. Study the word and be a worshiper. And number four, preparation is counsel when necessary and help extra help when needed. If you run into a problem with a prayer, most most people who pray here understand that it's an ongoing process. We get comfortable with the fact that it's answered when it's answered. You got me? Then sometimes there'll be a flood of answers. And God uses that to keep us stirred up and encouraged and excited about what's going on. He knows what you need. He knows those prayers get boring to you after a while or, you know, whatever, whatever. I would have people want to come up to me and change the prayer all the time. You know, they're not here anymore. And, you know, just pray what's there, lady. If you want to add something to it, feel free. If the Holy Spirit is leading you, but you don't tell me to rewrite this book again. You understand what I'm saying? Go write your own. You need somebody. I mean, really, seriously. Let's, let's be real here. Let's be real. Use it for how it helps you. When it ceases helping you, ask God to add some more to it for you. And so you get all of those things in preparation. So you get whatever your spiritual equipment entails that you do. Some people like to, to keep, uh, uh, keep edified. Keep their spirit edified, praying in the spirit extra, uh, listening to other good teachers, uh, information, um, things that uh, are foundational that build your spirit up. Um, as as your pastor and, and senior person here, my advice to you is stay with people you already know that you're connected with through the foundational teaching we have here. Don't try to go find somebody different. There's something wrong with that. You know, this little uh, weird, weird little sheep always running off by itself trying to find something to make other people jealous of. That's what people do. Something nobody else has got. You want something new. You understand what I'm saying? Avoid doing that because if you listen to people who really are successful ministers, You'll find that what their foundation that's laid, when they run into trouble, they go back and get the old foundation and, and re, restructure it. You, you're not getting something new that nobody's had before. Get your old foundation and strengthen that and then keep growing. Amen. Keep growing from there. The other thing you need is wisdom. You must keep abreast of ways to do a better job in your prayer life. Keep abreast of better ways to do a better job in your prayer life. You know, take that prayer manual and look up some of those accounts in the Bible. Look up some of those stories and look up some of those people in there, the names of the spiritual forces and so forth and so on. Master that and understand, get a good working knowledge of what you have going on right where you are. 
Amen. So wisdom, you keep abreast of ways to do a better job in your prayer life. The wise person inclines their ear to hear what will make them more effective. You know, your ear is always attentive to ways. Number one, meditate on the word. Go get your Bible out and strengthen your resolve to understand the word and implement the word in every situation that you face. So increase your meditation on the word. Number two is fasting. Fasting is a way to get your spirit man free so he pays more attention to the things of the spirit. It's not about not eating. It's about freeing your spirit man up to hear more effectively from God. Amen. Number three, keep a journal. Make notes on your progress. And see, this is what people are afraid of. Because hold yourself accountable instead of always trying to find a new thing. You know what I'm saying? Just hold yourself accountable in a, a better way for what God already has you doing. Number four, testimonies of answered prayer. Find people who are working in the things that you have an interest in in your prayer assignment. For instance, in the persecuted church. Find reliable people who are actively working among those that you pray for. To keep yourself encouraged. To keep your heart filled with with desire to pray in these situations. All of these things are helpful in your nurturing your prayer so that it comes to its desired end. And it comes to its expected and desired end. Testimonies of answered prayer are extremely important. Why? Because the spirit of prophecy is on the testimony. Amen. That thing will speak again in your life. And speak in situations where God will help you out because he's already done that for somebody else. Those are extremely important. You don't get that off Christian television. All you get is a bunch of songs and entertainments. People don't even open a Bible anymore. I'm leery of preachers who can preach on and on and on for days without ever opening the scripture. You understand what I'm saying? That, you know, I remember going through a thing with that years ago. And God told me, he said, that word is a lamp to you. It's a light to you. And it guides you in your preaching. He said, always. Have. Even Brother Hagen, he can quote so much of the Bible just from memory. But he always had that Bible open as a point of reference to guide him and center him so that he had a point of contact with God in his preaching. Don't ever get so far out that you don't respect God's word like that as your reference point for what you preach. So fasting, keeping a journal, notes on your progress, testimonies of answered prayer. You know, our ministry used to keep a journal until we couldn't find people to to do the books anymore. You know, work is work. And so, but we kept newspaper clippings because god told us that's where we would get our encouragement from and that's where we would get our many assignments from now journalism has changed so much so much of it you can't pay any attention to because it's made up you know a lot of it's propaganda whether you realize it or not 
But the other part of it, too, a lot of stuff is electronic, so it's hard for us to do it the way we used to do it. Things have changed. But there's still ways to find out how effective your prayer is and where it's going and what it's doing. And so these are ways to keep yourself filled with the wisdom of God so you can do a better job for God. Amen. That's what you want to do. As a nurturer, you want to be a wise person. You know, women, I know women, sometimes when you had your first child, there was always an older woman that you could call if the baby was doing this and you weren't sure. He won't eat. Eh, just go ahead and feed him. He'll eat. You know, turn him over, flip him over, turn him upside down, stick him real good. You know, whatever. And and make sure. But there was always a wisdom you needed to draw from. It's the same thing as an intercessor. You need wisdom to draw from so that you can make your prayers and your prayer time more effective. So that's that's very much important. And wisdom is free. Amen. It, the Bible says in Proverbs 7 and 8, it says wisdom cries at us from the streets. It's just always there speaking to us uh, if we'll listen. The rebellious don't, the word, the voice of wisdom is sometimes um, uh, kind of repulsive to rebellious people. They don't like the voice of wisdom. But if you'll understand that it is there to help you and settle yourself down and let yourself receive it, it will help you. You know, it'll keep you in your difficult times. Another uh, aspect of nurturing is patience. We need patience. When you pray, it's not like that prayer is always going to get answered tomorrow or the day after tomorrow or the next day. So if we center things on God's timetable... And get accustomed to releasing that prayer and the timing of it coming to pass. You'll find out God is answering prayer all the time. Like I look at things like now in this Amos 9.13 season and paradigm uh, shift that has taken place. It seems like there's answers everywhere. Like it used to be you would pray for a long time and just pray by faith and believe it was going to happen sometime. But I can remember praying uh, the prayer. I'm trying to think which prayer it is. Uh, I think it's my war on drugs prayer. And there's, there's something in there I wrote about praying for securing the border. Well, I wrote that back in, early, in the early 2000s or late 90s. And it's finally, and I said, we will win this Mexican war on drugs. And sometimes it seemed like I was speaking to nowhere. And a voice would say, yeah, when? And now God's making it come to pass. He's saying the time is now. He said, these things do happen and they will come to pass. So patience, after a while you get what, what you're asking for. Habakkuk 2.3 tells us that the answer is for an appointed time. It ain't for right now, but the time, it, and it will come. It says, this vision will not lie. It will surely come to pass. When we talked about seeing Roe versus Wade repealed, it's like sometimes you say, God, am I praying right? I mean, I know I'm praying right, but it doesn't even seem like there's any faith out there for this. And it seems that it may be imminent very, very soon. See, when these things happen, they're very instantaneous, they're very dramatic, and they're very final. 
It was the same thing with assisted suicide. Remember that was a big thing in Michigan when I first moved up there. That thing fell like whoop, and it was seen no more. And so these things do come to pass. They are for an appointed time. And patience will help you wait for that appointed time. And the last thing a nurturer has is integrity. You don't just pray here, but you pray everywhere. Man, you're not an eye servant. You pray until your assignment is complete. There is no excuse for neglecting your prayers. No excuse. You're never excused. You might miss it, but you ain't excused. You got me? Don't get that in your, your head. They stay spiritual with your prayer partner. Don't start getting upset with them or taking things personal or getting to a power play with that person that you're praying with. Don't fall out with them because you don't like that they gave you a word one time. You understand what I'm saying? They need to give you the word more often if you're going to fall out about it. It's a problem. Integrity. And then the last one really is love. I forgot. Faith works by love. Be a repentant person. Be quick to confess your faults. To God and to one another. Bible also says confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you can be healed. And so when you're in your prayers are effectual and fervent when you pray one for another. And get yourself healed and get yourself a wash clean. You know, and get your conscience cleaned all the time. <clears throat> love has no problem nurturing. People who love enjoy nurturing as part of their Christian life. Amen. Father, we thank you for opportunity to learn how much you love energy.